Welcome back to Five Yard Fantasy. This is episode four, and my name is Jackson Durham. And once again, this episode is sponsored by nobody. This will be the first episode I'm flying solo, uh, so prepare yourself. We're going to have a good time. Uh, I'm going to give you all some things to watch in all of the games that I'll be watching this weekend. And then after that, we'll switch gears and I'll share my running back rankings for this season, my top 10, just like we did last week for receiver rankings, except uh, nobody to make fun of them. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get into the first game we're going to talk about, which is Chicago and Seattle. That one will be tonight at 7 p.m. Central Time. And the first thing I want to talk about in this one is Justin Fields. Uh, Really solid outing against Kansas City for Justin Fields. Can he build on that against the Seattle Seahawks? It's going to be a much easier defense to work against, a lot less depth in the Seahawks defense. Hopefully we do see a little bit of fields. I expect at least one series. Hopefully he can build on that performance that he had last week. Keep putting together good things. Keep looking solid. Uh, I really did enjoy watching him last week. The next person I want to talk about is Tajay Sharp. Uh, Sharp, really, really solid in the first preseason game. Two receptions on two targets for 44 yards. Uh, I The question with Tajay Sharp is, do we actually end up seeing more of him? Because... They might honestly want to limit him a little bit because he does look pretty good, and the receiver room in Chicago is injury-riddled and not deep to begin with. So if Tajay Sharp is somebody you think is going to compete, you may not want to use him too, too much, but I do hope we see a little bit of him. He looked really stellar. And then I think the Tristan Ebner and Khalil Herbert situation is something to monitor as well. Herbert's still looking to establish himself uh, as that solid RB2. Can he do so to a degree that it handcuffs David Montgomery? I think that is a little bit of a storyline to watch, uh, especially if you have David Montgomery tabbed as someone to go for on your fantasy team this year. Moving on over to the Seahawks, Drew Locke. Big bummer for Drew Locke. He is out for Thursday's game. Tested positive for COVID. Uh, he will not get the start. That's a huge setback for Drew. Uh absolutely seem primed to compete for the starting job this week Carroll had confirmed he was going to start this game and it just really seemed like he was going to finally get that opportunity that he'd been denied so to speak uh prior to this Geno Smith really running away with all those first team reps he got the nod in week one Carroll said that it was always the plan for uh Drew Locke to start in week two but no longer uh, due to that positive COVID test. So that is a huge bummer for Drew Locke. Uh, big boost for Geno Smith, especially if he can have a really solid game here. I think there is a chance he could run away with this job. So we will be seeing a lot of Geno Smith. Uh, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside is another interesting story for the Seahawks. They traded to add him as a backup tight end. Uh, I don't think it's too much of a needle mover. I don't think we see him yet this week, uh, but look for him a little bit in week three. Uh, Ken Walker Jr., or Kenneth Walker III, uh, is somebody I want to talk about as well. Do we end up seeing a little bit more of him? His usage was very, very limited in week one. Uh, it was mostly DJ Dallas and Travis Homer, the two Miami running backs, and they were very solid. But Kenneth Walker has got to be the future there. You draft him that high. Uh, I think we need to see a little bit more of him in week two. I hope he looks good. Uh, I think he is a fantasy guy down the line. Definitely a huge dynasty target for me. Uh, moving on over to the Friday night game I want to watch. New Orleans and Green Bay. Uh, that'll be Friday at 7 p.m. Central Time. And the biggest thing for the Saints is uh, Ian Book. Ian Book will be starting again at QB for the New Orleans Saints. Uh, 
probably no Jameis Winston in this game. We haven't seen him yet in the preseason, and I think they're looking to protect him. Uh, but I want to see more Chris Olave as well. Just one reception for four yard for four yards for Olave in Week One. Uh, really, really limited usage for the first round receiver out of Ohio State. I would like to see a little bit more action for Chris Olave. And then moving on over to the Packers. We should get some Jordan Love uh, action at QB. They are very unlikely to use Aaron Rodgers. But I think the biggest story with the Packers this week has been their receiver core. Aaron Rodgers shared his frustrations around working with such a young wide receiver core and all the drops and all the route running issues that have come up due to that. And I think it really, again, it's a question we've talked about a lot on this podcast, but who can step up in that Packers receiver room? I think Lazard is the clear receiver number one. But behind him, I think it's Romeo Dobbs who could push for that receiver two or receiver three role, especially with Christian Watson injured. There really is not a lot of competition. He's earned praise from Rodgers early in this season. Uh, But I think, and so has Christian Watson at times as well. Christian Watson, despite his injury, has also earned praise from Aaron Rodgers as being someone who's been like in his hip pocket and asking a lot of questions, uh, working off the field despite not being able to be on the field so don't entirely count him out either. I think both of those guys could end up having a little bit of fantasy value this season. I think one of them should end up edging out as the receiver number two. Uh, I think that could be Dobbs, especially early on in the season due to Watson's injury. So I'm watching Romeo Dobbs. I hope he continues to play well in this preseason and continue to establish himself as a reliable target in that offense. Moving on to Saturday, we got Dallas and uh, the Los Angeles Chargers. This one will be at Saturday at 9 p.m. The Cowboys, I'm watching Jalen Talbert. Uh, Talbert is currently slotted in as receiver two in that offense, uh, especially with Gallup injured. And he only had two receptions for 10 yards in week one. He was he was involved in the game plan, but I don't think it really worked out the way they wanted him to. Can he get more involved? Can he be more successful? Uh, he does appear to be a big part of what they're going to do on offense this season. But can he prove that he can be an efficient, efficient while doing so? Uh, I am very interested to see that. Somebody, another cowboy I want to watch, Jake Ferguson, uh, tight end out of Wisconsin this year, pretty involved in Week One. Uh, he'll need to keep it up to earn regular season playing time, but definitely someone on my list of players to watch. Uh, and then moving on over to the Chargers. Derwin James Jr. signs a gigantic contract, becoming the league's highest paid safety uh, in league history, actually, with $76.4 million on that deal. Uh, That'll have him at an annual salary of almost $20 million over the next four seasons. That is absurd for Derwin James Jr., and he absolutely earned it. He's been, in my opinion, the best safety in the league over the last couple seasons. So very excited to uh, watch him again this year. Hopefully he can stay healthy. He has struggled with health throughout his career. Uh, Michael Bandy is another name I want to talk about for the Chargers. Uh, Bandy, super good at receiver, uh, undrafted in week one, undrafted out of San Diego. Uh, He had seven receptions for 73 yards and a touchdown. Definitely someone to keep an eye on in week two. Uh, there are some targets to go around in that Chargers offense, and I think Bandy could find a way to sneak himself onto the roster. And then another name to keep an eye on uh, for that Chargers offense is Isaiah Spiller. Spiller saw a decent amount of run in week one, you know, 11 total touches, 10 carries for 34 yards, and a reception for 10 yards. 
Uh, but I'd like to see a little bit more of him. I think he does have a chance to handcuff Eckler a little bit more than people realize. I'm not suggesting that he would be a huge handcuff to Eckler, but I think he will see some field time. Uh, and I think how much will totally depend on his performance in the preseason. So I would say week one, I would mark it down as a minor success for Isaiah Spiller. I'd like to see a little bit more in week two from him, though. Moving right along, uh, Philadelphia and Cleveland on Sunday at noon, uh, the Eagles. Do we finally see A.J. Brown? That's kind of the big question for me. Uh, and then the other question, will we see any Jalen Hurts after that huge week one hit, or is Nick Sirianni afraid to play his quarterback? And I am not knocking him for doing so. I, I would not uh, be against him sitting Jalen Hurts at all in week two. I, I personally don't agree with playing your starting quarterback in the preseason. I really don't think it's worth it. Uh, so especially when you're only going to play him for like two series, but uh, except for a case like Justin Fields or someone where you really haven't seen too, too much of them and you want to kind of work them in and get them some reps, but Jalen Hurts doesn't really need reps in that way. So, uh, I think it's interesting, though. The Eagles players and the coaches, they're very much rallying around Jalen Hurts this season. This is clearly a prove-it year for him uh, in terms of can he be a franchise quarterback in Philadelphia or just in the NFL period. He needs to prove that he's developed as a passer. Uh, he's always been a really successful runner, uh, and that clearly develops his fantasy value. Being a okay passer and a really good runner can make you a really good fantasy quarterback, and I think he will be a really good fantasy quarterback Uh even if he doesn't develop a ton as a quarter or as a passer this season, but I think if he does, he could prove himself to be the Eagles' long-term option at quarterback and their franchise guy. So, and I think that he's clearly beloved by that organization. He's seen as like their leader and their uh, their go-to guy. He's the the one they kind of rally around. So I'm I'm kind of rooting for him a little bit this year. I don't really believe in him too much as a passer, but I I hope that he can prove me wrong. Uh Moving on over to the Browns, Deshaun Watson is still the biggest story for the Browns, uh, and it's going to be that way until we get a settlement on his appeal. Mary Kay Cabot, Browns beat reporter, reported that if a settlement is reached uh, and one is currently being negotiated as we speak, he could play this year, uh, and obviously his suspension with six games, he would be eligible to go. So that is something interesting to watch. Although the NFL is pushing for that year-long suspension, it does seem like Mary Kay Cabot at least believes that a settlement could be reached, resulting in him seeing the field this season. So uh, she was not very specific on what that might look like, whether that would be like a 12-game, 10-game suspension. Because I, I am personally of the opinion that the NFL is not going to let it sit at six games. I think he's definitely going to sit out for longer than six games. Uh, can they get that year-long suspension, I think, is ultimately the final question, though. But, uh, and I say all that regardless of what you think about the Sean Watson. I'm not trying to give, like, a huge opinion on that. But just from a football perspective, I think he is looking at at least 10 games out. Uh, could be even more than that, though. Jerome Ford, uh, another interesting story for the Browns phenomenal week one performance at running back uh he was clearly the lead guy for them in week one of the preseason can he replicate that against a much stouter Eagles defense that's kind of my big question for him uh and something we've talked about repeatedly is the Kareem Hunt situation where he has requested a trade he does clearly want out of Cleveland can Cleveland make that happen if they believe in Jerome Ford and I think this game could be a big test for that theory 
if he can play really solid or even if not him potentially Dearness Johnson someone we talked about filling that role in the past as well can either of them step up and play really well against this very solid Eagles defense a lot more depth than the Jaguars a lot more talent in the front end uh should be a good test for those Browns running backs those backup guys I still don't think we see any of Kareem Hunt or Nick Chubb this week uh moving on to Monday last game we'll talk about Falcons and Jets. Uh, this one will be at 7 p.m. Uh, on Monday night. First taste of Monday night football this year. Uh, this will be exciting. Mariota and Ritter are the big stories with the Falcons. Uh, Mariota saw minimal action in week one. Ritter played most of that game. And uh, it was up and down. I mean, he had some really solid moments. He threw two touchdowns, but then he almost got himself picked off a few times. A couple pretty bad throws uh, that I'm sure he'd like to have back. Ends up completing less than 50% of his passes. I think he was 10 for 22. Uh, if I am could be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure that's right. Uh, six carries for 59 yards as well for him. And then, uh, I, you know, I, I think there's good and bad to take away from that game. And I think Ritter does have a solid chance to be the future in Atlanta uh, after Marcus Mariota's done maybe a year or two for them. But, um he'll need to put it together a little bit more consistently as a passer but uh a lot of good to take away from that game especially the six carries for 59 yards he's clearly a very special athlete uh a lot to like about Ritter's first performance Drake London uh only one reception for 25 yards in week one was looking to see a little bit more of him this week but he did not practice on Tuesday due to a knee injury uh I would have him listed as questionable for this Monday game uh I I only know what I know. Uh, we're recording this on Wednesday night, so there is a chance that it's fully established that he is playing for Monday, but I am not aware of that. So as of right now, I'm having Drake London is questionable due to what seems to be a knee injury. No practice on Tuesday. Uh, Kyle Pitts and Felipe Franks at tight end. Pitts, he committed to playing this preseason during training camp in some interviews, but we really haven't seen him yet. Uh, and so that's another story to watch is do we see any of Kyle Pitts this preseason or have uh, some of the injuries around the NFL during the preseason kind of scared the Falcons out of using their their tight end golden boy during the preseason in what could be just wasted snaps, uh, and instead using Felipe Franks, former Florida quarterback who converted to tight end during camp this year. And there's you know there's not a ton of fantasy value with Felipe Franks, but it's a storyline I always find fascinating is when uh, especially quarterbacks, but when any player transitions to another position on the offense and tries to make it happen and when especially when they look as good doing so in what we've seen of Felipe Franks as we have not a great week one performance but we've seen some really good training camp clips uh where he he just looks fast he's good at that size uh there is a lot of like raw potential there for Felipe Franks to convert to tight end so someone to keep an eye on I I hope he gets a little more volume a little bit more run in week two so we can uh get some more Felipe Franks action uh, moving over to the Jets obviously no Zach Wilson but a little bit of an update on him he did have successful knee surgery I believe that was done in Los Angeles and that should help his recovery timetable uh, likely still looking at three to four weeks out so it's going to be uh, elite quarterback Joe Flacco's show for the first couple weeks in New York uh, and that should be exciting you know anytime you get Joe Flacco football that's absolutely something to look forward to. Uh, that's odd. You know, as I as I say that out loud, in the year 2022, Joe Flacco is going to be a starting NFL quarterback, week one starting quarterback. 
Love it. Uh, moving on. Garrett Wilson and the receiving core are starters, but I think that Zach Wilson injury has kind of thrown a bit of a monkey wrench into that plan. Uh, and then another guy sort of in that same theme, Brees Hall. Can he get a little bit more usage? He definitely saw more run than Michael Carter in week one, but I, I would love to see a little bit more of him. Super explosive rookie out of Iowa State. If you're not on fantasy Twitter, you may not be aware, but 9.96 RAS score or relative athletic score for Brees Hall. Uh, and that's out of 10, if you're not familiar with that. <laughs> and 10 is the good number that you want. So uh, really, really great score. I I love Brees Hall. I think he can be really explosive for the Jets. Uh, I'm not as in love with him as some of my, I guess, contemporaries are. Uh, just because I think he might be a little bit more handcuffed by Michael Carter than people realize. But I am excited to see him, and hopefully we do see a little bit more this week. Uh, moving right along after those games, it's one to watch every day this weekend, lots of football this weekend. Let's do my running back rankings, and uh, just like we did last week, we'll start going down from 10. Uh, number 10 on my list is Aaron Jones, Packers running back Aaron Jones. Jones has been excellent as a receiver and a rusher for the Packers, and I think this season his volume is only heading up, up, up. Uh, we talked about the struggles that Aaron Rodgers has had with their young receiving core, and I think that's only good news for Aaron Jones in terms of his usage as a receiver. I think he'll see potentially his highest volume of targets ever uh, from Aaron Rodgers, and I think he also sees a high increase in his usage as a rusher. I think this goes for A.J. Dillon as well to a lesser extent. But I think Aaron Jones is definitely the guy to target in that Packers offense. I think he's the most proven veteran. I think he gets a ton of usage this year. Uh, moving on to number nine, DeAndre Swift. Swift, super excellent receiver and rusher for the Lions in his second year in the NFL, averaging nearly 100 yards of offense per game. The only thing limiting DeAndre Swift is the offensive line, uh, his quarterback, and his own ability to stay on the field. But he is absolutely phenomenal when he gets the ball in his hands. And I am looking forward to seeing more of him. I think he is huge, huge value on that Lions offense. Uh, at number eight, I have Dalvin Cook. Another guy that's been phenomenal when they've been able to stay on the field. Uh, managed to find a ton of volume in that really crowded Vikings offense. Tons of mouths to feed for the Vikings. But Dalvin Cook still always manages to eat. Uh, I, I like Dalvin Cook a lot. I think he'll be great again this season. Uh, another guy you do kind of have to worry about the injuries with, but hopefully he can maintain that. Uh, Nick Chubb. Chubb is once again going to be in line for tons and tons of volume in that Browns offense uh, as my number seven running back with or without Watson on the field. I think that's important to know. I think Watson is a huge boost for him. If Watson does find a way to get on the field this year, I think that increases the threat level of your passing offense, which will force defenses to take some heat off the running game and cover that. But I think either way, Chubb will be leaned on to help carry the Browns' offense. Uh, this is going to be really tough for them to get through, uh, whatever stretch it is without Deshaun Watson. So I think Nick Chubb is going to be the go-to guy during that time. I think you should cash in on that fantasy value. Uh, Joe Mixon slides in at my number six guy. He has been easily in the mix, no pun intended, for targets and rushing volume in the Bengals' offense over the last couple years. Uh, and they've gotten better and better, and so has he. Uh, he was the third best running back in fantasy last year. He benefited massively from their improved passing game, uh, which, like I talked about with Nick Chubb, that just takes the threat level of – when the threat level of your passing game improves, the threat level of your running game improves because you can't focus on one more than the other. So 
some I'm definitely looking for another big season from Joe Mixon. Najee Harris is my number five running back. Harris's rushing volume is 100% going to depend on the Steelers' ability to stay in the game this year. If they can't stay in games, he's going to find it hard to get a ton of touches as a runner just because they're going to want to pass the ball more. They do have that change at QB is going to open up the passing playbook a lot for Matt Canada, uh, which should help Najee as a receiver, but could hurt him as a rusher. I don't think he sees a ton of rush or as much rushing volume, excuse me, as he did last season. Uh, but I think he could make up for it with an increase in receiving volume, especially if we get a really good year out of Mitch Trubisky or maybe Kenny Pickett takes over and he plays really, really well. Uh, moving on, Austin Eckler. Uh, Eckler reminds me a lot of somebody we'll talk about a little bit later on this list, Christian McCaffrey, but he has less injury history, and I think it's just a slightly lower ceiling. Tons and tons of two-way volume uh, for the number two overall fantasy running back last season as a receiver and rusher. Uh, The only concern I have with Austin Eckler is the addition of Isaiah Spiller in the fourth round. Uh, I think it does put a slight pressure on him in terms of his volume, I think they did kind of bring him in to be a little bit of a change of pace back with Austin Eckler, so maybe a little bit less volume, but maybe you get more efficiency from that. Uh, So we'll see how that ends up working out for them. At my number three spot, I got Derrick Henry. Uh, King Henry, he wasn't quite his usual self uh, after the foot fracture last season, but I'm definitely looking for a strong bounce back. He was by far number one in fantasy points per game last season, uh, averaging 21 points per game last season. He is always dominant when he's on the field, uh, so I'm definitely looking for another strong year from the King uh, at my number three spot. Number two, I have Christian McCaffrey. And personally, this is hard to put him this high because I've been burned by him repeatedly, and I'm sure a lot of you listening are yelling, no, you can't have Christian McCaffrey that high because he's going to get injured. And I hear you, but you can't predict injuries at the end of the day. Uh, even when there have when even when a player has a history of injuries, there's a really good chance that Christian McCaffrey does not get injured this season, and that he once again looks like one of the best running backs in the league, uh, and is super dominant in fantasy. And so for that reason, I have to have him as number two. Nobody has more upside as a receiver and a rusher than Christian McCaffrey does in that Panthers offense. Uh, number one, Jonathan Taylor. He has dominated the league last season as the lead horse in Indy. Uh, he is such a dominant rusher. They are going to give him a ton of volume. Uh, he doesn't quite have the receiving upside, but he doesn't really need it because his upside as a rusher is so, so, so high. Uh, I do not expect any less volume for him. In fact, I expect more. Uh, I expect a little bit less volume for Naheem Hines and potentially the passing offense uh, in Indianapolis, especially as they have looked a little bit rough during training camp and the early preseason work that we've seen from them. So I think all of those signs are pointing to Jonathan Taylor's fantasy value going up, 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 up. He was the number one back by a country mile last season. I see nothing changing. Uh, I got to go with Jonathan Taylor as my number one back. And uh, I think that's going to about do it for us today. I know it was a shorter episode than you guys are probably used to, uh, but we were riding solo today. Uh, A little Jason Derulo reference for you guys. Uh, So thanks for hanging out with me, and uh, I really appreciate it. And I will see you guys next week uh, on Tuesday where we will have some more fun.